HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by Union Beer. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Hey, 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 welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. This is a special show. It's uh, February 19th, 2017. Josh Bernstein's Can Jam. We're over at Threes Brewing. Josh, thanks for putting this event together. Yeah, man. no, it's been great to work with Threes to put together this list of all the sort of, um, you know, the beers everybody wants to drink, but no one can ever get a chance to drink. So today's a chance to really sort of uh, embrace the cans and not uh, just hoard them. And it's going to be a, a great show today. We've got uh, guys from uh, Wyoming. You guys, say, say your name. Jeremy. Hello, I'm Jeremy Tofty. I'm Ted Whitney. So these guys came in just for the Can Jam, which is pretty awesome. And uh, we've got Crescent here from Bunker in How's as well. Going, guys? We're sitting here in the back room of, of Three's Brewing, and guys like Kyle from Graf Cider just walked in. So <laughs> this is going to be quite quite an event, and uh, we'll be airing this right before Beer Week. And what's what's cool about this is just showing just how interesting the New York City craft beer has been. A big shout-out to our sponsor, uh, Union Beer Distributor, supplier of world-class ales, lagers, and ciders. So um, we'll take it away. So, Josh, you know, can Jam, you, you've been doing, you know, you have your book out, complete IPA. Uh, you've been doing a number of events, including the, yeah. the, the Homebrew Jamboree. Yeah, the first event, you know, I was trying to think of different ways to promote my book back in the uh, fall. And so I was talking to folks at Three's Brewing, and I thought, what's really been impressive in America, especially in the Northeast, is the rise of canned beer. So I thought, let's have an event where we really bring together the best and brightest of the local canned beer producers. And we thought it would be a fun afternoon hanging outside, but it got mobbed like noon. There was a line of people out the door waiting to get in and drink all the beers. And so we thought to ourselves, what is it about cans? What is it about these beers? And so it was such a blast. We decided to do it again and really up the ante this time by having beers from, a, you know, Treehouse, Melbourne, Bunker. So oftentimes you have to travel very far to get these beers. And so we wanted to bring them all into New York City's backyard and have them at really affordable price points too. I mean, six bucks for a world-class beer is a, is a bargain no matter where you go. Well, one thing that's great is when I came in, I saw Crescent outside who's a good buddy, and, um, sorry, one second, and uh, the guys from Treehouse were unloaded their cans. Yeah, and Kyle just unloaded his cans as well. Yeah. From Graft. You know, so you guys vi- visiting here from, you know, Wyoming, you know, uh, w- what's the scene like? You know, give, give us a little backstory, you know. So Jeremy, you guys, Melvin, you mentioned, like, Kung Fu. and Yeah, yeah, and, uh, there's a really great brewery there that does amazing beers from the 1800s, and we wanted to make beers from the future, so we just started making beer from the future. And we don't have a beer scene yet, but we're working on it. It's and happening every single day. Yeah, there's a happy hour that people imagine go being to. really cold and really thirsty, and some of the most beautiful scenery you've ever seen, and that's living in Wyoming. And Ted used to work in uh, New York, right? You were the Avery rep. Yeah, yeah, I was the the sales director for Avery back in the day. How'd you end up out there? Um, I, I lived in Boulder, Colorado for about 17 years. Uh, I was a wine wholesaler, and I was trading my wine samples for beer every afternoon. And finally, Adam Avery said, hey, this is madness. You, you need to be selling beer for a living. And I said, you can't possibly afford me. And that same day, I got a, a ridiculous bonus on a bonus. 
and I could afford to not make any money for about three years, so I started working in beer. Wow, man. Good for you. Cheers to that. Yep. And we're right in the back in the brewery at Three's Brewing, and Joel Ford, one of the lead brewers here. Um, talk about cans. Your Vliet Pilsner has really been, uh, you know, a, a star. Seeing it in photos and magazines everywhere. Has it been a star? I mean, like, it's still, it's still a Pilsner, and people just don't embrace it in the way they should. Yeah, all of our friends have, maybe. Um, <laughs> and it's kind of what we want to drink, so we just keep pushing it on people. But so it's, there's we, the blue can, blue can, and I think Greg's yeah. done some photos of it on the beach or something. But. Yeah, yeah. It, it is uh, old Summer of Pills hashtag. They'll come back. Sorry, not sorry. I brewed the Sorry, not sorry IPA to yeah. keep brewing the, the Pilsner yeah, it's, uh, for all it's the brewers. The, it's the beer we all want to drink. It's yeah. probably my favorite beer that we make. And well, that's what we always say is, like, where when you go into a brewery, like, there's probably, like, a six-pack of High Life somewhere in the brewery because yeah. brewers love drinking Pilsner and... Yeah, I mean, what's, what sign are we sitting beneath right now? Yeah, exactly. We got a Budweiser but, yeah, on sign. <laughs> it's on the menu. It's on the menu at Can Jam. Yeah, they, they sent cans to this too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did, and I went to the hey, hardware. 192s or like 12s? Uh, what are we looking at? 16s. And I went to the hardware. I went to the hardware. I'll go to the deli. Yeah. <laughs> I went to the hardware store to make beer bongs for it too, and I was sort of like, "How do you go about?" It? I haven't made a beer bong since I was like seventeen. And Special I, guest. That's so I had to go there, and I literally had the guy holding up the length of plastic tubing, being like, and like mimicking how high up we need to hold the can, how much length of like liquid we need, and he was like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "We just need beer bongs," and so. He knows exactly what you're talking about. I can tell this. <laughs> we're on a great direction for this show, but I think any, know. any decent true value on the East Coast should have an aisle for beer bongs and mushroom growing kits. <laughs> Does that not happen out here? No, we're no. working on it. Is that so what you guys do in, in Wyoming, Ted? In free time. I think it's so it's like cool. Poop. We don't Charles, you have North. these guys here. Just like Randy Treehouse, you get Crescent down from Bunker and uh, Jeremy and Ted uh, from Wyoming. You know, um, you know, you guys are up there in Wyoming. Do you ever intend to sell beer in New York City? Or, you know, tell us, like, you, I don't know how you guys got started, but tell us the background. You worked at a restaurant. and Yeah, it's kind of funny. I was working at a restaurant, such as any restaurant that you've been to. Turns out one out of business because it's Jackson Hole and nobody can afford to do business there unless they come in. So the landlord let me take the restaurant over. Fast forward 17 years, we added a 20-gallon system making some of the best 20-gallon beers on Pearl Street. And then we got a three-barrel system a year later, and four years later we got a 30-barrel system a year ago. So it was a slow progression of just making the beers we wanted to drink in the back of a Thai restaurant that plays hip-hop and kung fu. Nice. And so when people walk in right away, they look around and they're scared, and so they leave. And right, those are the customers we didn't want anyway. We don't want your 20 bucks if you're just going to come in and create a problem. Mm-hmm. So everyone that comes in to tie me up slash Melvin Brewing, is always in a good mood and has a great time and gets a little funky. Great, man. So now for you, you know, you know, you got some really crazy uh, beer laws out in Wyoming, so what are some of the challenges of running and operating a brewery or any sort of like liquor concern? It's basically the liquor laws were put in place by this certain, supposedly by this certain group that lives down in Utah, uh-huh. back in like after Prohibition. And now everyone that has a liquor license in our town, they're worth like, you know, a million bucks. And so they don't want anyone else to have one. And so it's that whole classic struggle of the younger generation trying to compete with the older warlords that <laughs> control the town. And uh, if, it, if it doesn't work, you just go to another town that needs you. And that's what we did. Alpine, Wyoming, population 700. We're getting postcards made up next, uh, next summer. It's good amazing. They, they kick kegs all the time. Those are 700 good drinkers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And what, I still can't believe that you're there, Ted. People. You went from you went from New York City beer rep to Wyoming. It, it's been it's been a journey, man. It's been a lot of fun. I've been friends with Tofty for years and years. The first time we met, uh, he brought this former uh, immigration bus down to the down to Avery, and uh, we got hammered and missed the the deadline for admission to the GABF that year. So we we all hopped on the roof of his bus, fairly drunk, and drove over to the BA to talk to those guys and try and get timey up in there. We've been buddies ever since. So we've been talking. I was at 21st Amendment for a while. And, uh, yeah, this is, it's been a really fun move. Josh, how, putting together this Can Jam event, how did you find these guys? Uh, find everybody together. We know, like, I was partnering with Adjust. We just put together a dream list of all the local breweries we wanted to have. And then we put together a list of all the sort of uh, national breweries that we thought would really be aligned well. 
And, uh, you know, the whole idea was having beers that are sort of uh, amazing beers you don't get a chance to try too often these days. If you want to try something, you have to get on a plane, you've got to go wait in line for hours. We wanted to have a really egalitarian event where anybody with six bucks could have access to a beer without having to wait in a huge line to do anything. And so I was just kind of looking around, and uh, Melbourne Brewing in New York City, no one really, not too many people know about it. because Nobody, they don't, nobody, nobody knows. knows. And I heard that we only got invited because Boneyard said no. <laughs> so, <laughs> Boneyard doesn't can. <laughs> and uh, so we I thought about them, and like Melbourne Brewing has won multiple medals for their IPAs, the GAVF, and so... If you look at breweries out there, they're doing sort of a, if we're showcasing some of the best IPAs in the Northeast, we want to showcase some of the best IPAs in America, and they've really just like rocked it out over and over and over again, and so that was really part of the goal for it, too. It was great. We're tapping our first uh, Melbourne that I've ever we'll had. Sign low. Oh, but I wanted to ask, um, you know, Crescent, because you think about cans, so you're coming down from Bunker, do you find that cans make it easier for you to attend events um, um, as I opposed think that, to, to I mean, kegs, or... Right now, just cans are super hot. I mean, I, we all want to be drinking so beer. I mean, I don't even want to drink it out of a glass. I want to drink it out of a can. It's uh-huh. this, I don't know if it's this thing like returning to like, you know, my grandfather drank old Milwaukee out of a can. Like that's it's, it's kind of returning to to going back to cans and. I don't know. I, do, you do you think cans are going to be the death of craft beer? One brewer said he's he's, he's worried. The death. That I think no. I think it's a public lifeline. Oh yeah. For so Absolutely. many people, I mean, people will yeah. people will buy cans that won't even touch bottles these days. And Kyle too is a great example. Like uh, you had your a product in a was it three seventy five like bottles five hundred milliliter five hundred milliliter bottles. And we literally like the entire brand of craft is based around putting wild yeast fermented dry ciders into cans because that for us you know I had done the higher end with Millstone and. For 750 milliliter bottles, 16 to like $30 for a bottle. Quite hard to get into, but if we could bring the price point down, um, it's why we bought our own can line. Since we do wild yeast fermented stuff, it's the only way we can actually get a can line to come out. Yeah, so, and these are what, like three, three fifty at the store, yeah, which is absolutely. like insane for like a world class product. You own your own canning line, you do your own stuff, and so you can really control your destiny in a bigger way. Yeah, we, we hope to revolutionize the style of cider that can be. Uh, drank mm-hmm. by the Well, it's great. There's no waste either, too, you know? I mean, when we work with draft, there's there's a lot of things we have to deal with. And also just shipping. I mean, weight. Like, it's a lot, it's a lot cheaper to get yeah. cans shipped to you than it is bottles. You save 25% on weight right off the top. You've got a perfect hermetic seal over the top. Yeah. There's no ingress of oxygen. You can get lower DOs in a can than you ever could in a bottle. There's so many reasons the cans are so much better for the beer. 100% UV uh, light block. So brown glass, you still have a, a good amount of UV exposure to your beer. UV is going to generate a lot of those those mercaptans and those thiols. You're going to get skunking on any hoppy beer. That never happens in a can. And, and, yeah, and if your mobile bottling guys aren't checking DO levels and stuff, force them to do it. Don't yeah. let them take advantage and skim because that's yeah. how we're going to get crushed. Also seen as a group. Yeah. yeah. I, also, I also think, too, that, you know... We're in the, we're in the brewery. I, is that, is that Jimmy, Richardson? Jimmy. Is that Richardson? Is that Sam over there? Yeah. Jimmy, 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 Jimmy. I, Jimmy, I am. Josh, I got two rises out of you. I, I, I mentioned this. I said something about cans, and you jumped and defended it. And well, there's yeah. a weird noise, and right away, everyone thinks it's coming from me. So. I know. But it, is, it is coming from Jimmy. Yeah, it's it is. You can't see the radio. We can smell it. So it's, it's, uh, but I think the other thing, too, that's kind of cool about cans is that I've got this theory, and this sort of like era we're in where album sales are declining. You used to hold your CD, you hold your tape, you would ogle the art on there, your LP. But now the uh, can's providing this new canvas for artists. And you look at all these cans here where they have different beer styles together, but I mean, they all have really amazing design on there too. And I think that's really what the can's providing as well. It's a way to sort yeah, of embrace... It's a canvas for artists. Art, yeah. It's a way to embrace different disciplines and really have a lot of interconnectivity between artists and uh, brewers. And there's a lot of uh, like-mindedness. That's great, man. Well, this is, so this is the Melvin IPA. You want to tell us about that? Ted and Jeremy? Yeah. Well, thanks for asking. That was a very poignant question. <laughs> it's, uh, it's an IPA from the west coast of Wyoming. What is, what is the west coast of Wyoming? It's, we didn't vote for Trump. We're, uh, <laughs> we're, we're the only county in Wyoming that didn't vote for Trump. We're right on the border of Idaho as well. And so we're just from the west coast of Wyoming now. So your art's interesting. So this, the Melvin IPA, it's like a some kind of hop creature and a, an elephant behind it. Yeah. So <laughs> he's got hops on his mind, and he brings yeah. from the heart, man. Bingo. Oh. <laughs> and the elephant is from where a Thai restaurant beginning as a Thai restaurant. So we just did a shout out to Thailand, which you know, 
It's a good Where does the name Melvin come from? Yes, what's yeah. Melvin mean? A wicked Mel? front wedgie? Yeah. yeah. It's like, is it for real? Yeah. yeah. You guys are just too cool, man. So the kung fu movies freak people out? Uh-huh. Why? There's a lot because, of gore. Yeah, it's, it's art and people maybe are scared of that. Especially in Wyoming. They want to see Sports Center on their TV, right? They're like, why, is, why am I not watching every run of Sports Center? I'm scared. I'm oh, wait, you guys just play kung fu movies out the. Uh, and the Seahawks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you'll never see a three inch punch in a Seahawks game. Uh uh-uh. uh. And Crescent, you're doing music at your brewery too, so up in Maine. Yeah, we have events. Yeah, we've got DJs and we do bands, and we got a new tasting room that just opened in November, a big new space that we moved into. So, yeah, we were, we were very small. Like these guys, we were brewing three barrel, three and a half barrel batches for like four years, and then we just moved into our new spot with a 15-barrel brew house in October. So yeah, they, they started off with uh, Main Brewing's uh, original system. Yeah, Main Brewing. I mean, Which, original, they just buy it back from you guys, too? They did. Or? They did buy it back for the, the archives. Did you make a profit? <laughs> of course. <laughs> <laughs> what I want to say is, like, what's cool about this is, you've been down a few times, you know, Crescent from Bunker, and, um, you know, this is, this is kind of what typically for us is, Beer Week starts on Friday in New York City, but it's Sunday, and we met here at Every 11 o'clock in the morning. We're all a little hungover. You know, we're, we're, we're massaging our heads, but this is, feels like the start of Beer Week to me, and being at threes is, is really important yeah, we didn't to want me. To, we didn't want to compete with Beer Week events, to be perfectly candid. Well, it's better to start early, because I feel like it starts. But, you know, Joel, so you know, you, you, you're here. You're kind of like the quiet guy. You're, you're making all the beer with Greg, and, you know, I wanted to say just... For, for me, at Jimmy's number 43, right now, my go-to beers are the threes between your IPAs and your pale ale. So, you know, cheers to you guys. I got the touchy cheers, subject dude. on. Thanks so much. And, um, you know, that's something I'm pro- always looking for, too. We're talking about the actual beer. You know, I want beer that I want to keep drinking. And uh, right now, it's in New York City, it's been threes. I mean, you want to say anything about the styles of beer or, or the yeah, techniques I mean, you're doing? I mean, we like to make, like, highly drinkable beer. I mean, like, that's kind of, like, the bottom line. Everything that we come out with, like, has to be, you know, purely drinkable. Except for a couple random projects here and there that are, are the outliers. But we just want to make good beer. Use good ingredients, good hops, all of that kind of stuff. Um, people want a lot of hoppy beers, and we do that's great and yeah we're again we're in the brewery so that we're messing around with all these weird equipments but we'll be back in a few minutes on beer sessions radio all right El Knife and Son acquired Union Beer Distributors, which was originally located on Union Avenue in Brooklyn, but has since expanded to its present location alongside the English Kills Canal in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Union Beer has grown dramatically in the last decade as the primary distributor of Anheuser-Busch products for Kings County, Brooklyn, through the hiring and development of the best people in the industry. In 2003, Union Beer acquired a powerful catalog of specialty brands, which immediately positioned them as the craft beer supplier to accounts in Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, and Staten Island. Union perpetually tweaks their portfolio to maintain the highest level of stylistic breadth with the most coveted brands available. Through the highest possible level of service, outstanding salesmanship of the ultimate lineup of brands, and a paramount focus on education on all levels, Union Beer has solidified its position as the only source for the best selection of beers in the 14 counties of southeastern New York. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com. Hey, hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on Heritage Radio. Hey, hey, it's Jeremy from Melvin, and, you know, everybody say their name. Go, hey, hey, come on. Yeah, it's Joel from Threes. No, say it like... Hey, it's Josh from Josh. <laughs> well, this is our, our beer week preview. We're here at Three's Brewing, and the guys are getting crazy. So, um, you know, we definitely got some guys walked in, which is fun about these events that Josh puts on. You know, Kyle from uh, Graft Cider just showed up. And, you know, it's so cool. I, I, I remember meeting you with Millstone and loving Millstone, but... Now Graft, uh, I, I've got the comes and goes uh, on tap at Jimmy's number 43. Awesome. People are really liking that. So what's different about your approach at, at Graft? So, things you learned from working at Millstone. So I mean, with Millstone, we were doing, we went from 30 oak barrels to about 500. Um, did all um, wild yeast fermented dry ciders. And, you know, we, we, we went to seven different markets, including like California, Washington, and noticed that we needed to kind of, 
get past the top 10% of accounts. We had an expensive product, you know, 16 to $30 in a 750 milliliter bottle, or we were in, um, you know, one-way kegs, um, which some people didn't like. And the goal with this was to be able to bring the price point down and then create styles that beer drinkers would have an affinity for. So we were doing, um, we only, I said we were going to do only three lines of our main stuff, so it's going to be Rustic, Hop, and Goza. And with the way the beer drinker is now, is we want to keep rotating the Hop and the Goza line and just keep um, kind of exploring what sour dry ciders can really do well and make styles. I mean, when we were talking to our tap handle makers, they were saying, oh, you know, you have to put cider on it. And I'm like, well, do breweries have to put beer on their tap handles? And I think the big disconnect right now is A, price point, which is kind of lame, but it's what we have to fight over. Uh, B, I think the artwork needs to be modernized. And uh, C, I think styles need to be made for craft cider. You know, New York City Brewery coming up, I mean, you're in the Hudson Valley. So when I met you, you were in D.C., like Ancho, the cider bar was opening up. You know, what, what's different about being in Hudson Valley than D.C.? Well, in... In D.C., Baltimore area, we were kind of in a vacuum as far as people doing spontaneously fermented stuff. And now you come to the Hudson Valley and it's going through a renaissance right now. It's, it's actually probably no better time to be in, in the area with Suarez and Hudson Valley Brewery and Equilibrium. Salute, everybody all together. They're, like, it just, it's becoming awesome. I mean, I like to say it's, it's just coming, becoming like Maine because Maine is like my favorite place to go and drink on the entire East Coast. It's not there yet, but it's getting there. Um, so... And it's just the resources of being around a lot of great brewers that are doing a lot of great things and innovating. And I think, too, you have the access to yourself in your yeah, market, too. Cheers, man. That, Cheers, Kyle. That feel like New Yorkers will uh, travel out of state, too, and then we'll go to the place. But also, the fact is, you can sell to New York City. And that's a huge market. You're talking like 8.5 million, 19 million metro, 60 million tours a year. And so it really affords you to be able to start your own thing outside the city with cheaper startup costs and be able to utilize New York City. Also, I think that, I mean, what you're saying about Maine is like, what we, why, I'm, why, I'm, why I'm here is because I feel like, you know, our, the scene down here is very similar to the scene up in Maine where we all hang out and yeah. we share resources and we share knowledge. And that's great. And like, and we, that's what makes the brewing scene better is that we're all making better beer because we're all hanging out and we're all making beer. It's like from together. Brooklyn to Hudson Valley. But let's go back to the beer you poured. So, Crescent, you yeah. know, good buddy coming down to New York supporting us. Beer Week, Brewer's Choice next week. Talk about the beer you just. This is a cool can, man. What is yeah. it? Rockers. Um, it's one of our newer IPAs. And um, I think it's, I mean, it's what Joel was saying earlier is we make Machine Pilsner as our flagship. And then, you know, we love, I love making Pilsners. I love making lagers. But. What what keeps the lights on, as they say, is you got to make a banging IPA, and like this is basically like our flagship IPA right now, Rockers. So I know that you you you're in New York a lot. Are you distributed in New York City? Yeah, yeah we send beer down here. We just started sending beer down to Mass, down to the Boston metro area. So, uh, yeah, with expansion comes uh, sending beer to more places. Yeah. What we, guys- we, we're cresting down the caves and the, the cheese caves. Yeah, down the cheese. Yeah, or Red Fork. Yeah. Well, Josh, you do so many great events, man. It's, it's, it's nice to keep up with it. But what do you guys think of this beer? Let's talk about this. So, Jeremy, you, know, you guys, I don't know you. So what do you guys think about uh, Crescent's Bunker IPA? Um, Rockers. Rockers. You know, and Ted, what do you guys, let's just talk about it for a minute. You mean comparison to, like, West Coast stuff? But Melbourne or just, to, you know, just let's do a little bit. I want to do a side-by-side. I'm going to do a side-by-side. Do side-by-side. Side. 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 I like how it's side side. Side. Like, like, side. like a 90s bit. You need to do a Melbourne any time, bro. These were in my truck overnight, so you don't have a good IPA temperature. They've only been in the, like... listen, you hear what he just said? Say it again, Jeremy. That was the smartest thing I heard all day. What? Yeah. It's a backhanded compliment to all of us, Jimmy. Hold on, everyone. I just want to build up more anticipation for this. Hold on. He's trying to remember what he said. It's got that 90s bitterness and that soft water that just coats your tongue at the end. And then that you don't have, you said. Yeah, we don't really have a lot of beer like this out there. We've got good water in Maine. They, people wonder why so much good beer comes from Maine, and we have very good water. And New York City, too. And New York City, too. Yeah, yeah. This fucking ain't bad. But people used to talk about that more. I want to get to that aspect of tasting, because they used to always say, like, you know, wherever the first Pilsners were, or, you know, Bass Ale, Burton-on-Trent, the water made a difference. Are, are people talking, like, in, you know, are people talking about the water as an influence? A little, beer? A little but not really that much. Average consumer doesn't give a darn. They just want to know if yeah. it tastes good. I mean, like you can only get so geeky with the average consumer. I've been at too. a beer fest where with Oxbow yeah. and Al Gash and Greg actually from Oxbow. He's their he's one of their GMs. He overheard a guy. Um, it was like the union uh, trade show up at uh, on 18th Street in the in May, and he overheard these guys. They were like 
you know, one dude's, why are all these main beers so fucking good? And the other, and his friend's like, it's the water, and it's true. Like, we have, you know, water coming out of Sebago Lake, and it's super clean, and the pH is like... So you don't have to, like, add minerals or salt. Well, I don't, or I don't add anything. I do not yeah. add anything to the water. No. And Joel, do you have to do that, or you just uh, use straight like, air water? We actually harden up our water for our pills here. It, New York City water is super soft. Yeah. It's just a little touch. Yeah. Dude, it touch shows in your pills. I mean, the, the pills yeah. has such backbone, so much character. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, that mineral, the, the minerality to the water coming from. Yeah, you know, water is important, and especially in New York City. Like a few years ago, there was a threat of fracking in New York State, and Omegang actually said publicly that if, if they had fracking in their in their neighbor's land, they would they would they threatened to leave New York State. So, cheers to uh, New York for banning fracking because indeed. Yeah. But uh, it's nice to talk about the elements. So you guys out there in Wyoming, you can't cheers with that. You know, you guys. We like to go with what yeah, I would say calcium. More calcium the better for us. Because we have this theory that the hops stick to the calcium. And we got over hundred parts per million. Talk to you talk about Dr. Dre and how we measure. Dr. Driz? The drizzle? Yeah, we have the we got a full lab and everything. You guys can send your beers anytime. We'll run all kinds of tests. Yeah, we have a PhD in uh, micro, microbiology, molecular something, something. And she just basically has this really cool room that she does stuff in. And if anything bad happens, she tells us. That's literally what the line item on the PNL yeah. says. <laughs> she has this red button that she hits, and the whole place goes into lockdown and, <laughs> and start going. So Ted, how do you how do you tell this to people? You're like the sales director, Melvin. How, how do you, do you, you tell about them about Melvin? your water? You tell them about your test labs. Yeah. You know, well, I sold you a beer back in the day, and when I was at Avery, I got really esoteric. You know, uh, early 2000s, I think that you talked a little bit about a canonized body of knowledge around ciders. Yeah. We had to develop that in beer. We finally got Cicerone in beer. We developed this canonized body of knowledge. We have buyers who all know the same things now, and I think that on the people selling them beer, it's not so incumbent to teach them every single aspect because we have this canonized body of knowledge. When I talk about Melvin, I talk more about the ideology of the brewery. And one of the reasons that I work at Melvin is the idea that if it's not madness, it's not beer. And I think that beer needs more madness right now. We need to do things not because they make sense on a P&L, but because they make sense for our spirits, because they make sense for what's going to taste better in the beer, and they make sense for our communities too. I'm, I'm at Melvin because we support every community that we sell beer in, this fall, we're putting together a charity program. We're releasing your IPA. The first batch is going to be donated to charity. Um, we're going to use all of the proceeds to buy up medical debt for communities where we sell beer. It's a huge part of who we are as a company. Um, we're going to put out beers that challenge people in ways that they're not used to being challenged. You know, it's going to make people think about why they drink what they drink, and we're going to continue to do it in the best way that we know how. You, you believe in that, that That's what we talk that's about. That's what we're all about. Ted's a good yeah. talker, man. Yeah. Great to have you back. That's a great to me, man. No, that's good. Talker, it's like, sell me, yeah. some, it's like, sell me something else, Ted. Right. Yeah, right. Let's come back here. I'm so, <laughs> I was gonna how, ask, many, how many cases do you got in your truck? Yeah. yeah. Who has that quote again? Madness is what? What's your big slogan? If it's not madness, it's not beer. Do you have a slogan, Crescent? Let's talk more brew. <laughs> <laughs> and then the old, the old school one, Kelso, Kelly Taylor in, in Brooklyn, you know, he, he, he uh, trademarked his. It's just beer helps. And he was so proud of it when he actually got the trademark. Do you trademark your slogan, Ted? I haven't. No. You might need to soon. I don't know. It's more of a lifestyle. If somebody else wanted to take the slogan, I would be totally in support of that. We I mean, wrestle, it, we it's not a slogan. Up. It's a lifestyle. Yeah. You know, talking about well, beer, wrestled, but um, up. with Kyle here from Graft, it's like, Sometimes with a, with a this cider, it's like resetting my palate. So I went from IPAs. Now I'm drinking this nice, you know, dry, slightly sour, uh, you know, cider. How do you feel like in a, in a progression of, of like you know a tasting or an event? I mean, you're kind of in there. Cider kind of is mixing in with beer. Um, I love it. You just like I went from my IPAs now to this. Yeah, I mean, so we're still dealing with a hop base, but we look at this more as we're creating a sour style platform for the hop to kind of express itself and I mean you know moving up here from Baltimore we were around a lot of New England style IPAs and that juicy character was awesome I'm like well we start with actual juice so let's try to play on that so we have like a very um, dry sour kind of lemony um, cider base that we then amplify with this one in particular which is Hop Tropic it, uh, using um, 
um, Vic Secret, Citra, and then Grapefruit and Lemon Peel um, to really kind of express all those characteristics in a dry and sour kind of... Yeah, the, cool. the, the, the citrus is pretty understated in here, so it's like nice support, but it's not like stealing the show. Absolutely. I mean, you know, we want... Because Melvin is. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Don't knock anything over. Yeah, yeah. You're out. That's Jimmy again. He just keeps knocking things over. Joel is fuming over here. (laughs) Joel, you're being quiet. Come on. Sit a little closer. What yeast strain are you using in this this cider? Uh, So we went along the East Coast isolating bread strains because at the end of the day, there was nothing really made. Almost everything was made for beer already or grapes. So we wanted to find something that was already growing on the apples. And we sent a bunch of strains. Went to 13 different strains to test. Um, We isolated one up uh, in the Hudson Valley, actually, in New Paltz, um, and utilize that for all of our initial fermentation. So about uh, 70% of it goes to a, just a straight bread fermentation, then 30% to re-fermentation on about a uh, month-aged lees from that bread cider, which adds a more sour... I was going to ask you about can- the whole canning um, and re-fermentation rigmarole. Like, how are you... <laughs> At, at, the, at the end of the day, we don't have uh, the beauty of cider is we don't have unfermentable sugars in our right. in our so cider. It's all so it's, it's all, done, it's it's done. all super yeah, yeah. easy to ferment sugars. It gets finished out. The only thing we have to worry about is malolactic, which is the conversion right. of malic acid to lactic acid, which actually softens our cider and adds kind of that um, that creamy kind of um, I don't know cheesy character, like not cheesy, but like that cheesy soft acid to it, which works really well when you're dealing with this much acidity. In this I have a question for you guys. So like, like you know, with home brewers, some people, they have a, they're, they're experimenting at home, home brewers, because we have a lot of listeners are home brewers, you know, they, they make a batch of beer and it explodes, you know. I don't know if that's ever happened that, with common thing? pros. It, it does happen. You hear about someone has, has, has a car. Wait, waiting know, is the hardest part. Something. But um, you guys first as pros, do you ever have that issue with bottles exploding and would that happen with cans? And this is a serious question. Well, no, that's why I was asking Kyle because there's, yeah. he's, you know, you're introducing a lot of wild stuff into your, and I mean, I kind of think like the next thing is going to be wild beers and cans. Absolutely. I mean, wild beers and cans. Some people already do. Which, it, right? Yeah, I've seen yeah. a couple. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, it's sketchy. Unlike limited. It's, still it's dangerous. sketchy. It's, still it's very dangerous. Very dangerous. Yeah. Cans only hurt very a dangerous. third as much pressure as a glass bottle will. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of people have a But problem. exploders aren't as scary. Well, with the nitro. Yeah, yeah, uh, kill anyone. Just also, people are trying ball. to put some gin, gin and tonics in cans. So I heard about that yesterday. My friends are putting some... Or Jesse was talking about putting some gin and tonics in cans. There's potential. The yeah. one thing that you can have problems with is like nitro bottles. Oftentimes you'll watch, uh, you know, I was talking to folks at Ballast Point. There's a reason, you know, they're, uh, gosh, their latest nitro beer. I can't remember the name of it right now, but it's a full bottle wrap on there. So in case anything goes awry, right, the glass right, breaks. Right. I mean, the wrap on there will contain all the glass on there too. So it's not saying it's going to happen, but it's just saying better to be safe than sorry on there too. Well, they would be short on money were they sued by anybody. Exactly, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oh, cheers. This is like a. a this is great. This is just a Sierra sampling of that, what's Sierra happening. Sierra just had that big recall. Happened yeah, at the uh, Can Jam today, Josh. And then some of the other favorites you brought on the, on the way, and we met guys from Treehouse. You got Bunkers here. Um, what are some of the other ones that we should look for? I need to look at the list because the Treehouse guys, where do they go? The, the Vale. Uh, I think the Vale from Richmond is really amazing. Yeah. And just uh, we got three stars from DC. We got our good friends Budweiser too because we have the beer bongs. And then uh, and uh, we oh, have, we have a, rockers in the beer bong. Some Alchemist. Uh, we got Alchemist Heavy Topper and Focal Banger. And then also the first time ever industrial arts upstate their uh, their first cans. Chief. Uh, is Chief coming Chief. down? I don't know if he is. And then Grim, then all of our favorites from uh, New York City, like KCBC, Interboro, other half, single cut. I, the whole idea I think for the event today was to present people with such an overwhelming marketplace of choice that they short circuit mentally because there's no physical way you can drink every single one of these beers. And we're not selling these beers to ghosts. So you're forced to come here and drink them. Which is this like idea that's so foreign oftentimes to people, this hoarding mentality that exists. So you're forced to come here and we're selling it at six bucks a so, top. Actually, so can, actually, it's also um, Drink It Now Day. Um, for Allagash, yeah. For Allagash. So, it's Drink how, It how Now. Do you know, so um, don't hoard beer. Drink beer. Don't hoard beer. Because, because, beer. because we're opening up the cans as soon as you purchase them. And if we see Apple people trading them yeah. back and forth, Apple, so they can Apple check them in tabs, <laughs> we have to knock it out of their hand. Yeah, right. You're going to do that? We're going to like... Or make them bong it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> There's like a lot of spirit in this Oh, movie. Jimmy. Right. Jimmy. Hey. Jimmy, why do you talk that back over? in a few okay. minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. <laughs>
Hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio. Hey, we're kicking off New York City Beer Week. We're at Three's Brewing, uh, Josh Bernstein's Can Jam, Joel Ford and Crew. Ah, everybody. All of ours can jam. Check us out. HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can be a member. So, we've got this remote unit. We're in the back of the brewery, little brewery here. And, uh, you know, Joel Ford, you're representing the brewery, you're a great brewer here. Uh, we had the Vliet Pills. What else are you guys putting in cans? Uh, so Everything. We're canning two more beers on Friday. Um, we're canning a collaboration we did with uh, Yepe and Evil Twin. So that's going to be a 10.3% triple IPA, triple dry hopped, totally or whatever that is called. And then at the same time, we're releasing our collab that we did with the guys from Burial down in Asheville, North Carolina, which is like a super nice hoppy lager. So all the guys that come to town, I mean, how often is there another brewer here doing a collaboration with you? Uh, I mean, we went through a stretch there a few weeks where we did one every week, but it, it comes and goes, and but kind of got to schedule it, and it's, it's... It's New York City, people come through here, and I think like we've not had a beer scene worth anything. In the last three years, we've had this great sort of... Uh, all these amazing brewers, so people were naturally coming through. People wanted to visit New York City, even independent of beer. And now that beer is happening here, it just gives added impetus. So if you're swinging through town, you have a layover on a trip, whatever, you're coming from Maine down to D.C. for anything, you'll pop by New York City. And it's great to have all these friends and really create this sort of a cohesive beer culture in the Northeast. That well, everyone I want to call Jimmy out on, on this one. I remember when I started selling craft beer in New York City, I mean, you had to be in Brooklyn if you wanted to sell anything that day. Yeah. You roll into Manhattan, and it was top ciders and Heinekens, as far as the eye could see. Well, yeah, and you yeah, were the only house. stop that had a really kick-ass craft line. Well, I shouldn't say the only stop. You're one of like a handful. It was the, ten years ago. It was a different game. A but one thing on, in terms of like brewers coming into town, I think the one thing I want to shout out is when Brooklyn Brewery. I don't know how many years ago, six, seven years ago, Josh. Yeah. And they reinvested and and kind of built their brewery in Williamsburg. I think that really changed everything because at the time, like guys like Single Cut were looking at Rockland County. And after that, once they recommitted to kind of being in New York City, then I'd go to, over there and see Garrett Oliver and, you know, guys from Italy and, and, and maltsters yeah. from Germany suddenly were going to Brooklyn Brewery to, to make, you know, special batches of beer. Well, Brooklyn, 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 Brooklyn used to be all breweries. It's just returning to, yeah, from whence it came. Well, I mean, Seal kind of ended up in New York City because their uh, brewery location flooded out during uh, one of the big uh, hurricanes. And so that's Sandy? how... Yeah, no, the one before... Uh, Irene. Irene, yeah. It flooded out during Irene's. So they were forced to kind of reappraise, and so they were all set to go, and then it got right. flooded out. So then, you know, fortuitously, they ended up in New York City at the right time, but I mean, so I mean, natural disasters kind of brought them but back. But it, it is amazing. There were those few things that happened that, that, that flipped it, but we're talking again about brewers coming and, you know, collaborating. So that's where I'm trying well, to get I to. I think, I mean, that you said so, the, che- the, the cheese caves. When I came down to do that event, like, yeah. that's when I first met Josh, and I came down and, you know, bought, brought the kegs down in the back of my truck, uh-huh. and we did the event, and it was like, you know, I was hanging out with the Brooklyn Brewery guys and like the Two Roads guys, and there wasn't, it was like just like bubbling starting to happen here. Yeah. And then, oh my God, then we went to Copenhagen afterward, basically had this sort of private event for a bachelor party. It was like, I have another, like, can we have 15 dudes in a bachelor party come to the Cheese Caves? I was like, they no. They weren't even open yet. <laughs> no, so before Copenhagen open opened, opened up, open and I was like, how about we throw you a private party with this brewer, Creston? And so, like, 15 dudes come in there, and it was like drinking open bar. And I ended up at Marlowe and Sons with them at the dinner, and oh, yeah, like, I gotta get out of here. Yeah, Creston, I think they were so drunk, and then Creston ended up hopping in the limo with them and going out to dinner. <laughs> and that was a third Range time Rover. Got Range Rover. Um, but it's tough. No, but, wait, but, wait, but, but Adam, Adam, come on. I want to ask you a question. So, Crescent, on that note, the next time you come to New York City, what's the brewery that you want to do a collaboration at? I got one plan with Jesse over at Interboro. We're probably going to make some beer and uh, KCBC. Those what, guys. So you're going to go to Je- Jesse at Interboro. Have you talked about the type of beer you're going to make? And how does that work, you know, coming to New York and doing a collaboration? I mean, it's, it basically is like saying what's up and... You know, I'm going to be here, here, and then you email a lot, and then you come up with an idea. Do you actually brew together, or you just share yeah, recipes? Yeah, we brew, we brew yeah. together. He doesn't just sit there and executive brew. <laughs> and we've just brewed a, uh, a beer that's coming stuff. out, I think, this spring. We just brewed a beer in December with Other Half, Maple Creamies. Just got the label art on that one. It's a barrel-aged uh, maple imperial stout that I drove down Ice Road in Maine to get the 40 gallons of maple syrup. It's a very main thing to and then shit so that's down these guys. Yeah. So like collaborate, <laughs> like, and that's why I love the New York beer scene is because it's very collaborative and like 
kind of homespun, and that's like what we do up in Maine. It's like, but that's a thing now, right? So well, the brewers from all over the world want to come yeah. here and make a collaboration. But, but I feel like one of the, I was talking to Jeremy about this yesterday. But one of the things about New York City's beer scene is that we don't really have a lot of brewers imported from elsewhere. Right, it's a pretty homegrown scene. The home yeah. brewers have gone on to open up breweries and right. so on. It's not like a bunch of mercenaries who've come here hired by people with millions of bucks. It's right. like home brewers are putting it all on the line. Well, yeah, it's like care. I met Jesse when he was brewing, like when I brewed the first beer. We uh, yeah, big boogie board stunts. When I brewed that at other half, and a yeah, boogie board's the... called a dick skimmer, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but that—that that was your, your next your beer. You know what? That was actually Make great beer. Skimmer. Boogie board stunts. Yeah, I mean, all the hot, that, there's a good story behind that beer. Because I, I never I went sold. <laughs> the beer is great. The beer. Jeremy's got a dark side here. Wait, wait. It was a great. It was the one that no, the boogie board stunts. It's like it was a thing. It was on double IPA, so it would never sell as much. This is a crazy show. Which is the sad thing about I don't that know about this crew. They kept brewing <laughs> it. I loved. I loved it personally. It's like what you want to drink at the beach. You just keep the funny parts. We're gonna be fine. You guys are just crazy funny. And then Jeremy. Yeah, okay, Jeremy's playing something. You can't play any uh, licensed any. music. On the station, <laughs> it was a ringer. Okay, so it was Jeremy. You got a lot to say. So what is this about Wu Tang? It was a Kolsch, and people didn't know what. People only understand IPA. They don't even know what IPA means. Thank God. <laughs> All I know is that they order IPA and they don't even know what IPA means. See, like it's we, true. We put it's true. true. They don't know what it stands for. On the label, we put I, I IPA. I'm gonna call my. I'm gonna start calling Machine Pilsner IPA. They sell out today. Guys, guess what? This is the. I love the chorus of voices, but. All right, I know, I know. Step down. Corral, Jeremy, you guys are passing notes to each other about Wu-Tang. <laughs> what is this thing? You're not passing notes about Wu-Tang? <laughs> well, Ted was. We were going to share with the class. Passing notes yeah. about Wu-Tang. I'm like the bad teacher here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. also, Jeremy also thinks you're cute. Yeah. This is one of the hardest shows I've ever done because oh, wow. it's 11 o'clock so in the morning. We're, we need like three is more beers so 11? Each. It must be going on noonsies Can already, Jam. Right? Is this what New York City Beer is about? Somewhere. If it is, I like it, Josh. And Justin, this is the best beer event ever, man. Yeah, yeah isn't it? Because you're cool. drunk and it's 11.58 a.m. Yeah. Yeah. But Jeremy, uh, Wu-Tang inspiration for your beer. Yeah. Wu-Tang forever. Nothing, huh? No, it's uh, our head brewer, Kirk McHale. Kirk McDerb. Old dirty Donkey. brewer. The old dirty brewer, the head head dunker. And uh know it's a it's a different language. Yeah, damn. I don't think I understand what these guys are saying. He makes uh, but he makes beer inspired by I'm glad that Justin Kennedy's here. No, you gotta you gotta at least let's safe. give a shout out to Kurt real quick and you, you gotta like lay out his, his parentage. Alright, so Kurt McHale was dead. Invented the West Coast IPA in the yeah, double. Kevin McHale's son. And his kids. At Pizza Port back in the Did he really? early aughts. And now he's working for you guys? He also invented yeah. pizza. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> According to him. And the question mark. Ted, were you a stand-up? You're a stand-up comic or something? Only Actor. after four or five beers. Yeah. yeah. So you have that great brewery. So. How'd you guys go from, was it 20 ten, barrels ten on, sit down, what was the street, Pearl Street? <laughs> yeah, Pearl Street. 20 barrels Pearl. on Pearl, whatever, in your, that town of Wyoming. Well, a really cool thing happened, the state of Wyoming, we did this thing called coal back in the day, before that, before Obama stopped it. Anyway, I'm kidding. Right, so, so we had coal, we had all this coal money. So the state of Wyoming gave us three million bucks to start a new brewery. What? Wow. So, so guess what? We are with millionaire brewers. Come on, guys. Yeah. But it's okay. Look at all our money. Cheers to the millionaire it's brewers. All it's all gone now. It's, it's all, all gone now. now. We're all paying it back. Is. We had to pay it back. So and you're just, uh, you're just dumping it all into cans, you know? So. Yeah. But let's, let's sum up the can thing. So Kyle, especially again, with, as, a, as a cider maker, you know, there's a lot of ciders that we get, Austin East, you know, Down East, that are in cans. Um, you know, I try with like a bar restaurant to have like, well, I want to have like really good drafts. And, but I've also, yeah, I gave up on the 750s across the board for beer and cider. So do you feel like, are, are your ciders and cans going to end up in, in good bars and, and uh, restaurants? Or is that more for like retail business? Hey, whoever wants to buy them, I'll sell them too. At the end of the day, I mean, cider, cider doesn't have the luxury of, uh, uh, I guess, the craft beer scene yet. I mean, there isn't a dedicated cider drinker, which is why I think we were very much focused on bringing the craft beer drinker over. I mean, the the entire market's so experimental in what they want to try, and mm-hmm. to not kind of bridge that gap and say, hey, this is something that is really fun, unique. And if you like Goza and you like sour beers, like, you guys can get into this. So I'm hoping that, you know, the big, the, big, the big thing is you go to America, almost everything tastes sweet. And we've done event after event where I'm like, you know. Are we, right, in, are we in America? 
<laughs> no, we're in Brooklyn. Yeah, Brooklyn. Yeah, Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Yeah. We're in we're our Brooklyn own bubble. Jimmy Rain in America. So, so I mean, we would, we would do tons of beer events, and people were like, "Oh, I don't drink cider." I'm like, "Well, just just try what we do," and it's completely different from what you expect. So, there's a preconceived notion of what it is. We where the term "graft" came from. It's like we're trying to kind of add on a new layer of what cider can be yeah. to the American public. You go over to Europe, it's all dry. sour, funky, dry, or key, just extremely. Um, deep and interesting, yet America seems to pass it all by. By I think that, I think that's true for beer too, though. Where we're all moving. I mean, like, what do we drink? Dry pilsners. Like, we all drink. We want dry beers. Like, I feel like you know, coming out of like and, and I, yes. late nineties, early two thousands, there was a lot of these like really, you know, I had my Belgian phase, like quads and whatnot. And it's like those are really like intense. I think that's why I like drinking beer. And like we, now we all drink really Touchy dry. Subject, we wanna, yeah. As a brewer, that's what I say we make is dry beers, where it's like yeah. it can be a, a heavy IPA, but it's still like completely fermented out and completely dry and drinkable. And that's what like makes it drinkable. I think I think the next yeah. step too is like having uh, people be able to like speak to what they want, like having the language and the vernacular to really be able to discuss yeah. what they want. Like yeah. the last uh, right. can jam we did. Someone came up to me and they're like, it was all IPAs, all IPAs. Someone walked up to me and they're like, I don't like hoppy beer. And I was like, but what, what, what are you doing here at this event? And so it wasn't hoppy beer they hated, it was bitterness. Right. So you right. had to like dive it down and talk to them and figure yeah. out what sort of thing was their sticking point. And we're all backloading our beers with hops. Like that's yeah. what we do all now. Like, it's like that's the we, East Coast style. That's the East Coast style is like we charge late with hops and... You, we're not getting it's perceived bitterness I mean that's what we say Preston yeah. tell, tell us how that works because I'm still like when someone says New England style IPA I'm a little confused me too yeah <laughs> 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 you guys are doing like your Melvin so we had an East listen, Coast versus West Coast this is it this is it this, listen, listen to him East Coast versus West Coast yeah JBF we did Lawson's gotta select the East Coast team Melvin selected the West Coast team Went yeah, I gotta, I gotta throw into my boys at Falling Rock too yeah. biggest single day ever at Falling Rock Sure. Which is a <laughs> motherfucking ruckus. Falling yeah. ruckus. That motherfucker insane. owes us. But how did so how did because the East Coast versus West Coast? Just talk us through that because it's interesting to people. They're all amazing beers and it's so fun to see people. We have one guy dedicated to just going online all the time and talking shit. <laughs> Can I get that job? He makes really good money. No, basically, basically, basically West, West Coast IPAs West Coast come from a way more bitter place in terms of like upfront bitterness. Like, they, those Lack of hops, opportunity. Those hops assault you. Yeah, like uh, I live in struggle with the wilderness. Sad. Like it's sunny oh, all day. Pioneer spirit. Oh, that's not even fair, man. <laughs> so, all right, let, let me let me lay this out. Let me lay this out real quick. From a sales pioneering the Oregon view. Trail. No, they're sweeter. West Coast they're is sweeter tough, and they're way more bitter. I don't know how you guys and the new IPAs. The West Coast. New, I'm, new all right, IPA. So, I'm not. I'm not talking about cleanliness of the IPA. Did this one get two golds at JBF? Does that count for anything? What? what? Uh, we we can all agree that, that not there. everything is hot like that. I mean, there 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 oh, are there house. are IPAs that will blow the back of your head out with hot bitterness because there was a shock and awe thing this going is the on. Show there. That yeah, a yeah. behind it. We said just because you have 15 pounds of salt in your kitchen doesn't mean that's what your soup needs right then. But I think like I think those type of beers served a really good point back in the early 2000s to really you need that sort of aggressive attack to really change people's perceptions of what a beer could be. Yeah. And so, but like anything else, we always gravitate. Extremes. You want our poutine topped with like eggs and chili and everything else. Sure. And so the beer itself had to get bigger before it could get softer and more right. meated exactly. and more I'm and more, more delicate. Yeah. I, I think the biggest thing we all need to battle against inside a beer right now is the concept that it's okay to have two ounces of something and move on to the next. That's not the fucking no. beer any no. of us make. Everybody at this table makes yeah. a beer. That's that why beer fest. That's of. why beer fest at the end of the day kind of suck is because you never actually have an opportunity to drink a full beer. Exactly. Of that beer. I, exactly. And you're have just going a beer. From the, that next Listen thing to the an next album thing, you never actually taste anything. Talk to someone you I, don't know. I call that, it. Drunk, that's what beer is. I call beer fest like drunkenness by a thousand sips. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and you never. And, and you today don't remember that beer. It's not that. But I just back to the same thing. Uh, Kyle, yeah, I just had your other you don't cider, anybody. Desert Diamond. That's my palate reset, and I went to that from the Melvin Citradamus Imperial IPA, which I want. I want more of all these beers. So then, suddenly you get the cider and its palate reset. So, luckily, Jimmy, you can buy them Jimmy, all for six dollars today. Yeah. Jimmy, you can't get these beers <laughs> anywhere. No, there's no. 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 other pills here. Josh, talk to so the last thing. Some up can jam, which is kind of like our. 
real preview to New Year's Eve because so many brewers are here and great people. Yeah, I mean, like, for me, it's not just bringing the beer together. Today, it's really about bringing people together, too. I mean, most brewers hate doing beer events, and we wanted to create an event that brewers would actually want to travel to and something where they get to try something they never get a chance to do as well. You can't have another room of, like, 2,000 people walking around drinking a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Like, it's a day where you're getting a full, you know, 12 or 16-ounce, like, can in your hand, you walk around, you talk to people too, and you you have to almost enjoy these beers or right if now. If we were at a beer fest, it would be like I'd see Kyle for fucking two minutes, and then I'd be like, "What? Well, see ya." Yeah. And, no, like, and, we, we can actually hang out and like and, meet these yeah. guys. And I think the yeah. thing too about today is like in the sense where most beer festivals, it's great to have the brewer behind the counter talking about yeah. the beer, but it's draining to answer a million questions about your IPA at the end of the day, and so it's fun to be able to walk around and be able to talk to people and do your stuff too, and really. You know, it's very transactional when you're there walking up, getting a beer from someone's hand, instead of just standing there next to them, like, toasting a can. That's a really goal for today. It really matters, man. You did a great job. And then, uh, Ted and Jeremy, last thing. So you guys here in New York City, what you're knowing, is there a a brewery you'd like to do a collaboration with? It's not really strong. Is there a brewery you'd like to do a collaboration with? Well, the thing is, when when we meet people today, just as I saw last night. Go up to Maine. They're like... Oh, you're from Melvin Brewing. And they want to pretend like they've heard of us, but they just kind of And they look on their face like, oh, and they don't want to, they think it's going to hurt us if they say, I've never heard of you. Sometimes you can watch them yeah. Google you while they're talking. Bro, I'm standing right here. You can literally see what you're typing. The reflections under your glasses give you away. Yeah, chimney, fucking Christmas. At the very least, be like, hey, I'm going to Google you right quick. <laughs> and then, Crescent, you sum it up. You get the last word. I know that I was yelling at you. I remember you guys. Like, What's the last, the last word, word? The last oh, word is, uh, uh, yeah, Can Jam 2017. Thanks to Josh for putting Justin Kennedy and Kyle and Joel and all these guys. Can we get high fives all around? Knock down everyone's guys. Go for it. Come on. Can Jimmy fart on command? High five. Thank you. I'd like to thank our sponsors, Union Beer Distributors. And everybody out there, parts, David Tadisher, you're going to clean this up. <laughs> I didn't we'll see you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.